Carabao! <laughs> Bring it Christ. on. Emily, Chuck, instead of drinking beer, is drinking an energy drink, and it is hard to <laughs> wrangle. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a developing situation. Bring it on. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> oh. I'm going to need a beer to level myself out. Hang on. I missed you, idiots. Welcome back to me and the Miles Offside podcast, where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nothing. My name is Oscar Puente, also known as Footy from Afar, and with me, as always, is my co-host Chuck Bailey, and with me, as sometimes, is super producer Ian Stimson. (laughs) Ah, the super producer credits back at least. Yeah, Yeah. I'll take that. Well, it's all the breathing that you have to edit out. Yeah. Was Adam not available, Chuck, today? No. Uh, no, funnily enough, he didn't want to come on the pod after <laughs> saying he was not worried about playing Crystal Palace. <laughs> <laughs> Suck it, Adam. <laughs> yeah, I do, uh, I do want to take this opportunity to say I was out last week. I did listen to the podcast and I wanted to thank our guest for coming on and filling in my shoes and doing a really excellent job. So thank you very much to Finley Simpson for really stepping up to the plate. <laughs> and I guess Adam was on too, so, you know, whatever. <laughs> Can't even give him that one. No, Adam was good. Adam was really good. I, we joke a lot, but I actually weirdly like him, despite the fact that he's an Arsenal fan. I do find him to be somewhat intelligent from time to time, which is, like, more than I can say for the two of you, so. Yeah, yeah. Genuinely. Fair point. But yeah, good job, Adam. Good job, Finley. Thank you for stepping it up. Good job, Chuck, hosting. Yeah, you like really, like really get it. You know, had the podcast moving along. It was professional. Great. I know. Well, uh, you know, needs must. <laughs> yeah. I've got it in me every so often. I'm sort of like Ben Teke. I won't do something for a long time, but when I do, it will be good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, Ben Teke scoring his first goal in a decade on Easter Sunday is pretty, pretty delightful. I thought that's a pretty good resurrection. Probably yeah. the best <laughs> resurrection that's ever happened on Easter. Really did Chelsea a favor that then we went and fucking squandered like nothing. Hey, hey, you got a point against Burnley. No one wants the Champions League spot. No, no one wants it. <laughs> Tottenham are currently 0-0 against Brighton, of all teams, in the 50th minute. Yeah, we're recording on the uh, Tuesday night, as usual, so there are a couple of matches happening, and we are obviously recording before the Manchester derby, which is in no way going to fuck us up. <laughs> no, so either Man United uh, have won, or Man City have won, or... Oh, there was a draw. So we can just edit. You can just edit out um, one of those, Ian, and add it in in post. Yeah, I really can't believe that it was such a insert scoreline here result. <laughs> like, really, really interesting. Yeah, it was really crazy when that moment happened. <laughs> I mean, you laugh. This is pretty much what we usually do. So. <laughs> and I expect a, a return to Chuck's normal levels now, being as he's drinking a beer and a carabao. I wanted to investigate. I saw it. <laughs> I finally saw it in a shop. It was 49 pence. It aggressively says on the label, bring it on. Which you proceeded to aggressively chant at the two of us before we started officially recording. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it's diabolical. (laughs) It's really bad, is it? Yeah, I mean, how the League Cup would allow this to put its name on it is is quite frankly shocking. Well, I'm happy to be back if you are joining us for the first time. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Ian. (laughs) Chuck, do you want to, uh, anything to say? 
Yeah, you're here. Yeah, all right, cool. We'll be good, we'll be good. Hmm. By the way, fuck you, I've been a Chelsea fan for a lot longer than seven years. Both of you guys. Right, I knew that was going to get us some blowback. (laughs) Yeah, 13 years, which is as long as it was really possible to watch the Premier League in America, so... Fine. I plucked eight out of nowhere because the other day you didn't know who Richard Dunn was and eight sounded like a good... 13 is like half of Chuck's life, right? Approximately. Yeah, roughly, yeah. Much more than half of Adam's life. Yeah, what's he, like, 18? 12? 12. 23 or something. Yeah. So, you know, Adam was in diapers when I became a Chelsea fan, so I've been a Chelsea fan about as long as he's been an Arsenal fan, really, if you think about it. Uh And I never thought that Arsenal were named after Arsene Wenger, so... (laughs) (laughs) Right, let's cut him some slack. He's not here to defend himself. Yeah, well, neither was I last week, and that didn't do me any favors. Going in on someone with asthma for breathing loud. Really? Really? thought you guys were better than that. Nope. No, you didn't. <laughs> no, I really didn't. That's why I like you guys. Uh, I was like, oh, these guys are assholes. We should start a podcast together. And so are all the listeners. All right. So, joining us for the first time. Thank you. We're happy to have you. If you are keep coming back for all the pain and love, thank you. We love you. Give us a five-star review on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, especially if you're one of the random Virginia fans that we have. We'd love a five-star review in the States. Get us on those ranking boards. Uh, Hello to our listeners in Finland. Is that what it was? Oh, God. Yes, Yes. is that right? Yes, it was Finland, yeah. Or as they would say in their homeland, hi. Right. (laughs) Oh, it's just H-E-I instead of H-I, but hi. Um, Yeah, so let's go ahead and jump right into it. With our rapid, rapid, rapid fire news. Shane Long has scored the quickest goal in Premier League history. After 7.69 seconds, he scored against Watford. Chuck, is that shorter or longer than it took to conceive your daughter? (laughs) Um... (laughs) I'm back, bitches! (laughs) <laughs> well, there were less people watching. There was a lot less people watching. Um, probably less alcohol involved. Um, nobody was saying the word long. <laughs> nobody was saying the word long, no. Um, I mean, it's when these records happen and they're put in the history books and you think, someone will look in 20 years and go, oh, wow, this guy, Shane Long, he must have been good. Like, no. Not really. Speaking of doing a goal, our second story for today... Iguain done a goal, gentlemen. And he celebrated mm, titties. Mm, titties. <laughs> Just a bubble, 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 right in there. I mean, what a guy. He knows he's going soon. He'll be out of the country. Brexit will happen, so nothing could happen to him. So you may as well just go motorboat a fan. <laughs> I mean, right, consent is important, so let's assume that he asked her before he then plunged himself into her tits for 15 seconds. <laughs> there was definitely well, a grabbing motion from the fan, I feel. I did show the clip to Emily, and she said that it looked more like she grabbed his head and brought him into her into her loving bosom, like a ginger wildling to a giant's teat. <laughs> oh, God. Very good. Game of Thrones! Hi! Um, yeah, it was. I mean, she did really, like, it did look like she brought him in and kind of held him there. and he was like, Oh, yeah, I wasn't genuinely questioning that, yeah. <laughs> She's clearly fully happy about the situation, but, yeah, it's, it's it stays there for an uncomfortably long time. It, it really does. <laughs> Everybody needs a bosom for a pillow. Yeah, makes a good bosom. Um, good pillow and a good bosom. A good bosom is a good pillow. They should just be the same word, I think, is what we're all trying to say. <laughs> yes. Don't drag us down with you. <laughs> 
Okay. Uh, next story. Cardiff boss Neil Warnock compares Liverpool forward Mohamed Salah to diver Tom Daly. I mean, it was a penalty though, so... Just... <laughs> very, very clearly. It was clearly a penalty, but you do get his point because Salah does have this history of doing like the assassin sniper shot. <laughs> like go down to like fling the arms back and arch the body. That pre- I really don't like Mo Salah. See, I'm gonna have to defend him here. Well, I think I'm, you, I'm... no, you won't. Um, <laughs> it it was a foul. I I will give that Scott Morrison. Is it Scott Morrison? No, I've just got a mate called Scott Morrison. Um, <laughs> uh, whoever, whoever it is, Morrison. I know it's Morrison. Has his arms all over him, so fair enough. And yes, yeah, Salah does have to kind of go down for it. That's the thing; he won't get the penalty without it, will he? Exactly. Yeah. That's my defense of Mosala here: is that like players who don't go down don't get calls. His problem is that he's really, really fucking terrible at selling a foul. <laughs> yeah. Like you have to sell fouls to get calls. You can't just be like, "Oh, that was a foul," and then leave it on the refs. But when he tries to sell what is literally actually a foul, a legitimate foul, he goes down hilariously and about five <laughs> seconds too late and yeah. very dramatically. Like, he's so bad at selling fouls, which is hilarious. But yeah, that was clearly a pen. I mean, he's going to he's gonna get to a situation where he doesn't get calls because of the reputation. Yeah. With our next season, it's interesting as which way does it kind of go? Does it mean that he gets more calls? Does he not? Do referees then just choose not to look at VAR? Or do they give him give him the penalty and book him? Can both happen? Yeah, you can give the penalty and uh, book him for simulation. Yeah, in, it could definitely be a penalty and a dive, and that is a much, much underused yeah, situation. If you're exaggerating what's happened, then you're deceiving the ref. That simulation, you can get booked. doesn't matter sort of what order. It, you know, the, the foul might happen first, the penalty happens or whatever, but, you know, anything that happens that he's trying to deceive the ref, he can get booked for it. I mean, I think it takes a ballsy ref to do it, but... yeah. But I wish we could see it more. I'd love to see it more. And there's so many unwritten, unspoken rules around penalties. Like, if a player gets a shot off, they never give the pen, even if it was clearly a foul on a pen. Yeah. Mm. And even if the shot is, like, terrible because they were being fouled and falling down in the process. Yeah. So, like, players shouldn't try to shoot, shouldn't try to keep playing. They should go down. All sorts of stupid things because they don't actually give penalties correctly. Mm. So, it's a pain in the ass. Speaking of players with bad reputations, gentlemen, Raheem Sterling update. The scoundrel. Oh, God, what has he done now? You won't believe it. You won't believe it. Raheem Sterling will pay for the funeral of Crystal Palace Crystal Palace youth player Damari Dawkins, who died aged 13. Obviously a very sad situation. You know, huge props, I guess, to Raheem Sterling. Really great guy who we regularly talk about doing great things. It is nice to see the BBC covering this story and giving him the credit he deserves. Yeah, I mean, we cover him regularly, and it's just another sort of tick in the good column, isn't it? Are there ticks in the bad column for him? He's black. Well, yeah, possibly, (laughs) according to the tabloid. I mean, according to the tabloid, I mean, according to us, Oscar. Yeah, according to us. Right, right, right. There aren't many ticks, if any. Yeah, Yeah, I got nothing. Dude, (laughs) genuinely, like, one of the nicest, best people in football. Right, like seems like it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, maybe we'll see a sea change at some point. I mean, at least last time he did a great performance for Man City, the back pages were a bit better. I mean, let's wonder if they've sort of realised that uh, public tide of opinion is against them. No, nah, I doubt it. No, <laughs> no, but no, in- incredible gesture for by him uh, doing that, and it's it goes a long, long way. 
uh, in the world and just shows the good things that people in his position can do. So it's amazing. And all credit to Raheem. Definitely. Yeah. Great guy. I think um, second favorite player of the pod behind Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who we just unreasonably love for personal reasons. But <laughs> Raheem, fantastic. Keep it up. We love you. Speaking of Raheem Sterling, actually, our next story, the Player of the Year award list, shortlist, has been released. Midfielder Bernardo Silva, winger Raheem Sterling, forward Sergio Aguero are all nominated for the Premier League, as well as Liverpool players Virgil van Dijk and Sadio Mane, and Chelsea forward Eden Hazard rounding out the list. So three City, two Liverpool, and Hazard, who is probably actually the best player in the league. Uh, who would you guys vote <laughs> for? I mean, I could make an argument for this season for Hazard to definitely not be in that list because that doesn't make sense, especially with how Chelsea have performed. I mean, the the City and Liverpool high percentage of players in there uh, does obviously make sense because one of those teams is going to finish as the highest points loser in the Premier League ever. We'll have the most points out of 23 out of the 25 years or whatever it is of the Premier League that they normally would have won it. I mean, it, it, it's an unbelievable position to be in. Um, yeah, they're both on pace to have within the five most points ever gotten in the top division. It's insane. Absolutely insane. And I think, you know, it goes on from, from what we were just saying. And I think if City win the league, um, or even potentially if not, then it's got to go to Sterling. He's just been incredible for him all year. And not just for City, but also, you know, doing amazing things for England before the season. Um, in the World Cup was absolutely fantastic and pivotal, even though a lot of fans will still shout and rant and rave and not understand the role that he was supposed to be playing in that. My only thing with this is, and it may come from a thing of bias, but if we look at the Young Persons of the Year award, Raheem Sterling is also in that, just yep. because of his age, with Bernardo Silva, David Brooks, um, I'm doing this off the top of my head, who else is in there? Nah, Bernardo was on the main list, I got the list in front of me, I can just tell you. Go. It is Sterling, Rashford, Trent Alexander-Arnold, West Ham midfielder Declan Rice, and David Brooks from Bournemouth. Where the fuck is Aaron Wan-Bissaka? Yeah, ridiculous. Statistically, ridiculous. the best defender in Europe this year is not even in that list. I mean, David Brooks. What the fuck is David Brooks? <laughs> what the fuck is Declan Rice? Like, it's bullshit. If you had asked me point blank what team Declan Rice plays for, I could not have told you. <laughs> like, fully wow. could not have told you. Yeah. No, it's awful. And it's it's led to a lot of things, you know, because the Sterling being on that list has, has meant that a lot of people have criticised and said, well, it doesn't really make sense uh, to have it as a young person's award. Why not a rookie award? So either someone in their first season or second season, or maybe someone who's made up to 50 appearances in the Premier League. Because... Having someone who's been in the Premier League for so many years as that, it just kind of means that the award doesn't really mean as much. I mean, yeah. out of those five, if we're talking as player of the year is going to be Sterling, then young player of the year absolutely has to be him. And he would see out any of those players, although Trent Alexander-Arnold is probably a cl like the closest to him who has had a great season. He's, he's not a patch for overall impact across the team, as Raheem Sterling is. And so just makes me think whether they should change it. And also massively bitter because Aaron Wambasaka should win it. With good reason. Yeah, fully on board. Uh, Wambasaka shouldn't have just been on the list. He should be probably winning it. Uh, although the Raheem Sterling thing does make it more complicated. Uh, I'm with you. I would like to see, actually, that's a great idea. Uh, make it the player with less than 50 appearances award. 
I think that's a really cool way to cut it off. So like a new, yeah, a rookie of the year. You know, they have all those awards mm. in, in a lot of like the American sports and the way they boil it down. And Yeah, although it's tougher here because you'll have like a guy who made one appearance three seasons ago with five minutes left at the end of the season when they were 15. And so mm. like, would that make them ineligible for the rookie of the year award? Because it's not technically the rookie seat. Like Lukaku played three minutes for Chelsea. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yep. Speaking of amazing young players, our next story, and this one pains me to have to say out loud, Callum Hudson-Odoi, out for the season, did his Achilles. Exploded Achilles, so probably oh. out for quite a lot of next season as well, I imagine. Yeah, it'll be about eight, nine months probably. Yeah. Ugh, it hurts. Yeah, so that takes you to, what, December, January next year. Yeah, that's half of next season as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At least Chelsea don't have like a transfer ban looming or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, dear. The less time we spend on this, the better, but fuck me, this is bad. <laughs> yeah. If you were to do the Predictor League right now for next season, where would you put Chelsea? 19th. <laughs> fuck off. Come on. <laughs> That's I'd put so a 19th and still mean. score higher than you. Ugh. Um. <laughs> Shit, I don't know. Fifth or sixth still. Like, we're yeah. still, like, top six. Okay. Despite everything else. Like, the big six teams default into the top six, even when they're having a shit season. Like, a shit season for Chelsea or a shit season for Arsenal, like Adam was talking about last week, is still a better season than Palace are capable of, Watford are capable of. Hey. You know, like... <laughs> hey there. <laughs> don't you be coming back with your accurate analysis... <laughs> you beat Arsenal 3-2, come on. Correct. Yeah. No, but I'd like even I think genuinely it's not worst case scenario because obviously anything can happen, but within the more probabilistically realistic realm of possibilities. <laughs> yeah, 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 just give it a second. And just trying to figure that line yep. out. Probably uh, realistic and un- right, okay, yeah. Mm. Reasonable predictions, let's say. <laughs> top six. They'll be top I think they could be fifth or sixth probably next year. If they keep Hazard, then they could be pushing for fourth. Is easily. there any realistic thought that you're going to keep Hazard? Like as a neutral, I feel like that's a that's a done deal. I think even within the Chelsea community, it's getting to the point now. Uh, one of I wasn't going to report on this because I don't want to, but in the last week, <laughs> a guy with a lot of insider information within the France, uh, the French press, and the France national team has gotten the scoop on a lot of stories regarding French players. Uh, said that they have agreed personal terms with Real Madrid. So. And, you know, now that Zidane is back, I do think that's a big part of why mm. they brought back Zidane as opposed to some other big manager is because Hazard and Zidane have been betting eyelashes at each other for years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Uh, sorry to bring that up. Nah, it, it is what it is. But speaking of French teams, our next story, PSG and Juventus have both secured their titles. In other news, water is wet and <laughs> Arsenal suck. <laughs> Just throw that one in there for good measure. Yeah. Anything to say on that? I mean, it's also nice that both of those teams have also been knocked out of the Champions League. So it's like what they actually wanted to achieve this season isn't happening either. Yeah. (laughs) After Juve thoroughly put to the sword by Ajax, who are just impressing everyone this year. Like, it's obscene how well they've done uh, in that competition. You know, knocking out Real Madrid and not by luck completely on merit. And then doing the exact same to Juventus to then set up a semi-final with Tottenham. Oof! Ajax <laughs> Barcelona final. Anyone? Ooh, that would be good. That would definitely be good. 
Barca Liverpool is is tough because they are clearly the two best teams left. And so like for them to be in the semifinal instead of although I guess from a neutral perspective it is nice to get them to play two legs instead of just one because they are the two best teams so you'd rather them meet in the semifinal than the final for just to see them more. But yeah, there's going to be a weak team in the final. And that's all due respect like you were just saying Ajax have done a really good job, but they're not, you know, Champions League final caliber team. I mean, literally, they are because they're probably going to make it because Spurs suck. Yeah, yeah. But, but and that's not the first time that's happened either, is it? Yeah, that's true. I mean, Chelsea, when we won in 2012. Well, yeah, you weren't the not best team Not at all the best team. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but we got the trophy, so suck it. Well, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Yeah, yeah, ultimately. And, and yeah, you know, they can only beat who's in front of them. And, you know, yeah, okay, they've, they've set up a semi-final, which is the best one they could have got against Tottenham, but... Like I just said, they've had to beat Real Madrid and Juventus on the way through that. God, Tottenham are struggling to dispatch Brighton here. I mean, talking about... Fucking... Yeah, I just turned around real quick to get a glance oh, while Trippier's talking. Yeah, I think Trippier just... Is it Trippier? Uh, well, Tottenham just hit the post. but Inside I mean, they're of the post, on, yeah. Knocking on the door, but my God, they're making a meal out of this. This would be disgusting if they don't win. <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it really is like none of the teams want that fourth place. No, like, no, they're all allergic to it. It's, we're it's all bizarre. a disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> really are. Give it to Wolves. Uh, speaking of, our final story for the night, Pep came out and said he supports Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as manager of Manchester United. Of He's... course he does. He manages Man City. <laughs> exactly. Such, <laughs> such a shitty move. <laughs> uh, he's such a... <laughs> Fucking prick. <laughs> I do not oh, like Pep Oh, God, he knows exactly what he's doing there. Jeez. Uh, so six defeats in their past eight for Man United, and Pep comes out and says... <laughs> Keep this guy. Yeah, I support him, I love him, he's a great guy, and long may he reign. Uh, but meanwhile, Pep got knocked out of the Champions League by fucking Tottenham Hotspur. We'll get there as well. On Wagles. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea what had happened, so this, like, an hour before we were recording, I was like, oh, I guess I should Google some results just to see what happened. Because the Premier League I keep up with by default because of fantasy. Yeah, so fill me in. I'd love it. Let's do it. Um, There was two episodes of Game of Thrones. (laughs) Yeah, did you have to, because last time we spoke, this was off air, but you said you were going to spend like $30 to get the Wi-Fi or whatever hotel you were at to watch the Game Game of Thrones premiere. Was that something that happened? That is absolutely yeah. correct, yes. <laughs> 30 bucks a day for internet. We paid for it for the Sunday. We hooked up the laptop with an HDMI cord <laughs> to the TV. And we watched the Game of Thrones premiere. So the connection was good enough. You were, you were all right to watch it, yeah? Yeah, yeah. That, that I'm putting in the effort for. But, you know, football. Whatever. Yeah. So, Man City, away goals to Tottenham. 4-3 at home? Yeah, so the first leg as well was very tight. I mean, uh, Aguero had a penalty saved by Lloris, and then that meant that Tottenham could kind of come back and then just eke out that 1-0 win. Boy, are they glad they did. Yeah, yeah, but the the 4-3 was an unbelievable game. I mean, it was, what was it, five goals in the first... Yeah, five goals in 21 minutes. Jeez. It was, yeah, oh. Sterling scored after four, then... Uh, Tottenham made it two one with two sun goals. That was after but ten that minutes. Was by the, that was after ten, yeah. and then <laughs> Bernardo oh. Silva got one on eleven to make it two two. Jesus Christ! And then it was uh, after twenty one. It was three uh, two. So twenty one minutes in, it was three two to Man City. 
it was a it was a really good match. <laughs> you should probably just check it out, honestly, because they were good goals. It was a great it was a great game. They didn't. There was no sort of edgy tightness to it at all. They were just going at each no, other. No, and and it was the fact that Tottenham also just went toe to toe with them. They didn't really hold back as much as anybody thought they would. They really were just kind of exchanging blows for quite a long time, and yeah. it wasn't all going City's way. But you thought it was when they went up to four two, and then Tottenham just pulled that ridiculous shit and I, I will stand by this because we criticized him a lot last week <laughs> yeah saying when is fernando lorente gonna step up yeah Indeed. now we we opened ourselves up for a bit there but <laughs> i still stand by it i don't know when fernando lorente is gonna stand up because you cannot show me a player who jumps up to head the ball and hits it with his arm above his pelvis <laughs> and then hits his pelvis for it to go in. You cannot tell me that that is a good player. Like to misjudge a clear flight of the ball that badly <laughs> so to somehow blunder, blunder the ball in. Like absolutely not. So you haven't seen any of the goals, Oscar? No, I'm reacting in real time to the fact that it was Fernando fucking Lorente. <laughs> <laughs> so right, okay. It's better than that even because obviously that, that, that has, then went to VAR. That went to VAR, as Chuck says. Yeah, it was a, it was a controversial goal because he's sort of his hand is or his arm, yeah, is above his sort of pelvis, and it sort of comes off his pelvis and thigh. So VAR are rocking and rolling it for ages, trying to figure out if it came off his hand or not. And then they they give him the goal. He goes mental as if he scored a thirty yard volley. <laughs> yeah, like, which is fair enough. He's put you know at the time he's put his team up in. And it- and it would be typical Lorente to score the winning goal in a game that Tottenham didn't win. Yeah. As well. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, in just yeah. a weird mind meld of what the fuck. And then City, obviously, towards the end, then they're pressing and pressing and pressing. And Ericsson goes to. Does he play the ball back or does he clear it? And it bounces off Bernardo Silva's leg. So, but Silva isn't playing a ball on, but at that point, Aguero's just gone offside. Just millimeters, like it's not much at all. Mm. Squares it to Sterling, who absolutely coolly dispatches that ball. Everyone goes mental. Everyone loses their mind. It's like it, this is uh, Oscar. This is like two or three minutes into stoppage time. Oh my god! So like yeah. you know, everyone's absolutely losing it. And in real time, I didn't notice it was offside. Like the no, no commentators seem to notice. No one in the ground even really looked at the linesman. I don't. It didn't feel like no. Like it wasn't. But then they but were the like, linesman didn't give it. I don't think that they they no. had the conversation with VAR. Oh no, the and, and that's what I mean. Them. They said it was it was a deflection. It wasn't a pass. Like Ericsson played the ball, and it's come off of Bernardo Silva's leg, and then gone. And and I never knew that that would then intend on making it offside, which is why there's now been all of these calls in about the offside rule and do you actually gain that much of an advantage by being such a tiny amount offside and it also being like a fluke deflection but oh my god there were Man City fans that left after Raheem scored the goal <laughs> and they were getting not. interviewed no there was a guy who left and he got called back by by a reporter outside and said oh, so how do you feel after the defeat and he's like what no, no we won we won like I don't know what you're talking about it's like, yeah, VAR, VAR ruled out the goal. <laughs> like, oh my God, that's unbelievable. Uh, there, but there was so much drama in that game and it was just incredible. And uh, Oh, that sounds so delightful. So delightful. Like, exhaustingly good, even as a neutral. And that's exactly what you want to see out of out of a Champions League game. It was, it was brilliant. And like, 
ultimately the VAR just added to the drama. I mean, if you're a City fan, you're hating it. One, because yeah. you might think the Lorente goal wasn't, you know, was a handball, whatever. It wasn't, but whatever. And then... It did categorically hit his arm, though. Now, I don't know whatever think... the ultimate... It hit, yeah, if you... It, there's... So what was weird was, is that VAR kept showing the angle on the TV screens. They kept showing the angle from front on for Lorente. And when it's front on, it doesn't look, it looks like it hits his thigh or his hip or mm. whatever it is. But when you see it kind of from 45 degrees behind him, you do see it clearly comes off his forearm down to his hip. But obviously the distance is so little that you don't know if that would actually count as a, I've intentionally hit that with my arm and then it's hit my leg, if you see what I mean. So yeah. whether it's technically a handball, but it, it 100% hit his arm. Oh, really? Okay. I didn't think it did, yeah. but okay. Um, and, that's, and that's the thing as well that we've said about VAR and people say about VAR and not these decisions. It still has this uncertainty and still has this element. Sure, but sure, the sure. Hype, the hype and, and everything, and obviously, yes, the Man City fans will absolutely hate it. And there is that element of, do we celebrate a goal now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, so, but no, so then, so that, as far as I'm concerned then, the goal, bear in mind what you said there of it, it hitting his arm, it still needs to stand though because it's not a clear and obvious error because I, I certainly didn't think that it hit his arm they didn't seem to think there was enough there mm. to rule it out so fine I, I i still think the right decision was come to then if it's not a clear and obvious error yeah and in a proper implementation of var it sounds like too yeah yeah exactly and to be honest they probably saw oh it's lorente he probably can't intend on doing anything because nothing is deliberate it all just happens <laughs> by accident so we can't give a handball against him because yeah. he definitely did not he mean did to not do mean that to score a goal no, absolutely not. That's so good. So is that a good look for VAR or a bad look for VAR, you think? I think, no, I think generally it's good. And the last goal, I mean, bar obviously the timing, that the, the drama of a last-minute goal w- would have been amazing and all that, the drama of it being ruled out by VAR was equally brilliant as a neutral. Mm. It was absolutely Great. stunning to watch. Excellent, excellent. All right, well, that'll catch us up on European stuff then. So that means it is time, gentlemen, for... Oscar's long list of XG numbers, 2.73, 1. 1.8, 3.4, 2.7, 1.0, 1.41. This is like some sort of MK Ultra <laughs> Russian spy <laughs> programming stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it's like um, the Winter Soldier, <laughs> right? Uh, those are actual XG numbers. I'm reading about Manchester United because Manchester United lost 4-0 to Everton. I did see that. I believe that is what constitutes a dicking. (laughs) (laughs) Holy mother-forking shirt balls. That was bad. I mean, Everton got... There were some cracking goals in there, like Luca Dina's shot um, that was a volley that curved outside and just completely dumbfounded De Gea. Um, Like, fair play for that one. But... My God, it's not looked good for United in the last few weeks. So that's exactly the thing, right? The narrative now has been like, oh, what happened? United season is derailing. We joked before about Pep coming out and saying, you know, despite their recent defeats, I still support Ole, you know, all that sort of stuff, right? Like, and also, does he think it's Ole like when they pass it? Is that why he supports him? He's like, Ole, Ole, Ole. No. Maybe. Um, so I did some digging on the numbers. As I'm prone to do. As is my want. When the situation calls for it. Yes, as is my want. As is your fetish. And since Ole Gunnar Solskjaer took over, they have 
and I highlighted a couple of specific matches, but in aggregate, not including the Everton match, because the Everton match, obviously, craziness happened. So leading up to the Everton match, his tenure was 34 goals scored, 34.7 generated on XG. So pretty spot on. Yeah. You know, and especially over that big of a sample size, you'll have somewhere they wildly overperform and somewhere they wildly underperform, and it all kind of evens out, which is what you would expect. But in expected goals allowed, only 15 actual goals allowed, 19.8 expected goals allowed. So basically five goals, five full goals, or, you know, out of 20 is basically a 25% less, so it's a huge amount, mm. than their XGA. Um, and I highlighted a couple of ones that are specifically in terms of the calendar from when they were not at all, quote unquote, in crisis. Against Cardiff, they generate they conceded 1.3 and only gave up one goal. Against Huddersfield, 1.4. Against Newcastle, 0.7, only conceding 0. Against Tottenham, 1.8, only conceding 0. Against Leicester, 1.4, only conceding 0, so none. Against fucking Fulham... <laughs> they conceded 2.2 XG and didn't actually give up a goal zero. Against Palace, Chuck, your boys, 1.7, only conceding one. So these aren't even good teams. Cardiff, Huddersfield, Newcastle, Leicester, Fulham, and then there's Palace and Tottenham in there, which are, you know, Palace is a mid-table team. Tottenham are a good team. Thank you. <laughs> so, like, they were wildly overperforming their defensive numbers against crap teams and that was his first game in charge his second game in charge his fourth game in charge his fifth game in charge and his eighth game in charge like this was but, I mean, very it was, early it was in the run very clear from the, from the start of his tenure at least that the idea was just go and score goals again and we we picked up on that at the time now that is not of course as it, as it is kind of showing now that's not a sustainable way of, of running things but I think for the time he took over you can give a bit of grace period there because you looked at what the, they needed. The, com- the complete change it was exactly what they needed and you know Rashford was performing really well even Lukaku was amongst the goals what he scored like he scored three braces in a row I think I think two in the yeah. Premier League and one in Europe yeah. and then you know they do have crap defence and they have you know had a, a lot of injuries this year but I agree that those things are quite worrying for a team like Man United to be giving up, you know, 2.2 XG against Fulham, for fuck's sake. Yeah, it, it's it's really not. And that's, again, that's early on in his tenure. So it's not that, like, the underlying performances have shifted dramatically. This has been a recurring theme of his time in charge from the very beginning, is that they're way overperforming their defensive numbers, and it has led to a lot of results, and now that's sort of, you know, balancing itself out and regressing more towards the mean in terms of, like, it actually is the results that they should be giving up. And so now it looks like things have turned around, but I don't think they have at all. I don't... I, what's your sense of that? Like, not, obviously, stats roboting out and looking at numbers and a list of numbers. Like, do you feel like things have significantly changed recently? I just think it's coming to the fore again has been highlighted a lot by the media in various kind of facets that a lot of the issues are coming from the players and similar to as we've said before with like Chelsea situations in the past and it being a bit toxic is that across a couple of managers now it's seemed that way and they they just seem to have turned on Ollie for a bit and and he's highlighted that now and said you know that there are some players who probably shouldn't be there or or don't really care or don't care enough and even the board are coming out and backing Ollie to take him further 
but saying that there's a lot of players potentially that are going to go. And that's that's a really strong statement, um, I think, especially from a manager, uh, to a manager, sorry, that has ultimately done nothing in his career. I mean, he got relegated with Cardiff and then he's managed in Norway. They don't have, as has been highlighted for numerous years, Man United do not have a strong structure of higher up. That it's it's all kind of none of that's ever been put into place since Ferguson left, which really is what they needed straight away. And so there must be something really bad going on if that's the route they're taking. That they're going to back an unproven manager who's just a bit of a fan favourite. Who yes, he's turned around the mood a bit and got some of the players going, but ultimately hasn't really improved the results because after everything, what they're still sixth. Yeah, they're currently sixth, and they're only now projected at 10% to make the top four. Wow. So incredibly unlikely. So, yeah, I think it's a very strong statement um, from the United board to come out and say they, they back Ole and not the players. And so we, we shall see if there's, if there's an absolute fire sale, and I suspect if there's going to be, then Mr. Pogba might be one of the first names out of the door. Mm, I wish Chelsea didn't have a transfer ban. <laughs> giving that sort of trust to a manager who is unproven at top level is a hell of a thing to do when you've got currently no director of football as well is that right nada 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 so i mean that's that's a a hell of a thing he's he's got to rebuild that squad are they really trusting him to i mean he might he might turn out you, you know ferguson's first season was dodgy yeah, who knows? But like, it's Ferguson's first few years was quite dodgy. I think. Uh, I think in his second or third season, he was looking like he was going down. And it's only because in '90, when they won the FA Cup final uh, against Palace, and that was across two legs, um, so even then he wasn't really dominant. Um, it was only then that he was that kind of gave him a lifeline to then build from there. Then obviously the Premier League era started, and he became, you know, as as I've said specifically for myself, the greatest football manager that there has been in the modern era. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't deny that either as much as it pains me to say out loud, like yeah. he is. He is just the greatest And manager. and inevitably it's gonna be hard for them to fill in that void, but I think the direction that they've gone has just been a steady spiral that they haven't put the foundation in place. They've just changed the man, you know, going from David Moyes to Louis Van Hal to Mourinho, who obviously notably is not a sustainable business model, um, to then bring in Solskjaer as a temporary manager, which was is such a mental move, you know, and and not something that I can remember seeing in English football that was like a we're going to take a manager from another club who is currently managing them uh, just in the off season to have for a while. I think probably the only reason they offered him the contract or had was because they had to because of the number of weeks he had been there. Right. And so you can't see them changing to a different manager in the in the summer. So so although Rafa Benitez did come out and say that he wants to be a manager at seventy years old and challenging for the Champions League again, uh, that was that came out recently. So you know he's available. He's maybe batting his eyelashes at a couple of big teams. He'll go anywhere where they'll spend some money for him. Yeah, something to look forward to. Well, that should just about cover it for Man United then. Um, Quick update for you two gentlemen. It looks like Tottenham, just peeking over my shoulder behind me, Tottenham have beaten Brighton, unfucking fortunately, <laughs> for me and for Adam. The one thing me and Adam have in common. Ericsson saved the day with a 25 yard strike. Yep. Ugh, Brighton, Ooh, man. Chris Uton looks gutted. Jeez. 
Chris Hewton, I don't know what's happened to that man, but he was. I had so much respect for him as a manager, and I've I've always thought he's been good. Yeah, I like him as well. But I mean, Brighton lately have been absolutely shocking. I mean, the day after we recorded last week, losing two nil at home to Cardiff. I know, in an absolutely vital game that both teams had to win. They got a decent point, obviously, against Wolves, um, but to to kind of make sure it's three points, they've got a vastly superior goal difference to Cardiff, so that's worth an extra point, obviously, there. Yeah. But, you know, for Brighton, it's been since December, since they got a result against Palace, like a massive one. Like They beat us 3-1 um, and fully outplayed us, and it was awful. Since then, you know, they then lost three two draws and a win, lose three, a draw, lose two, two, like, awful. I think they since then they've had three wins and four draws Oof. in 19 games. Like, that's bad to go from 10th to, to 17th in, in that period of time. It's just absolutely awful. Um, where they were such a good defensive team. I mean, it's kind of showed in the last couple to get, to get a clean sheet against Wolves and, you know, only concede late on to Spurs is a bit better, but they they need to be scoring goals. I don't think they've scored in, in five, maybe, maybe six now with, yeah, maybe with that. Um, but yeah, and we, and we kind of mentioned before, like they, you know, they got a decent result against Wolves and Wolves who have been a, an absolutely surprise package this season seem to have dropped off a cliff a bit. Like they've only had five points in the last five games. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the table right now from January 1st. So since we hit 2019 through yesterday, so updated after the Chelsea match. And Brighton are the third worst team in that time span, getting only nine points and scoring only 10 goals. The only team worse than that is Huddersfield. Even Fulham have scored 15 in that time. Like, geez. And Wolves would be at 14th in that time span uh, with only 19 points. Chelsea would be one point above Crystal Palace. Chuck? Still one point above Palace. God damn it. That was last time we checked in. And... Here's my favorite part. One point below fucking Burnley. <laughs> Burnley are the fifth best team since January. Burnley done done Burnley. Burnley Burnleyed everyone in their Burnleyish Burnley way. Burnley gonna Burnley. Yeah, Tottenham at ninth, Burnley at fifth, Arsenal barely above Burnley on three more points than them. Tottenham at ninth is not good either. This is a weird looking table since January, actually. Yeah, you've got you got to remember that it wasn't too long ago we we were saying uh, that Tottenham could be a surprise package to win the league, and and then just absolutely dropped off a cliff. And yeah, after I had a bet on them. After you put a bet on them, <laughs> you the ruiner of dreams. Sorry, Spurs fans. Yeah, <laughs> but it's been such a such a weird season, you know. Like we said. Uh, there's Wolves who I made a claim a few weeks ago about um, their kind of their results against the top six and seemingly like they get a lot of points and turns out this season against the top six teams they've earned 1.3 points per game so it doesn't it doesn't seem like a lot but that's better than a draw well that's averaging yeah exactly better than a draw but against the bottom six teams they've averaged one point and they've also had the absolute dishonor of losing twice to Huddersfield. Oh, like oh still, my. so still, <laughs> even God knows how long later since Huddersfield's last win, like six of their fourteen points have come from Wolves. Well, Huddersfield have one win in two thousand nineteen. So, and there you go. It's against there Wolves. You go. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
like that's bad. And Huddersfield have just got the equaled the record, I believe, for most home losses in a Premier League season, um, which is a record that is previously held twice by Sunderland. Like, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> and that just shows you how bad they are and how much they've punched above their weight. Fulham have started to actually do some goals in some games. Mitro, Mitro going to go? Yeah. Troll. God, Fulham and Huddersfield are going to be glad to be back in the Championship, aren't they? Oh, I think so. But do we? Do we? I, I, it's very obvious who now. Even though I've said before, I'd quite like Brighton to stay up. Um, I think because it would be so hilarious. I would love for Brighton to get relegated now. But who would you, gents, prefer to see stay up? Would it be Cardiff or Brighton? Ooh, prefer to see. <laughs> I guess Cardiff, because we like Neil Warnock, he does provide a lot of content. I was going to say, yeah, just for hilarity, Neil Warnock. But I mean, I'd, I'd feel for Chris Hewen because I just think I just don't think he's really got the players at Brighton. To well, be honest, Cardiff are the much more likely too, despite everything of Brighton's recent slide in terms of the projections. Cardiff are eighty-four percent to go down. Brighton only 16%. Yeah. Wow. So it's very strongly still in Cardiff's favour. Or in Brighton's favour. Cardiff bad. I wonder if that takes into account tonight. It won't have updated from tonight's result, though, uh, will it? No, I don't think so. No. It will and in a minute. And that's weird, because Cardiff, you know, Cardiff have got a game against Fulham. No, that is updated. Oh, it is? Okay, yeah, it blimey. is. So what are their run-ins looking like? Well, Brighton have still got Newcastle, Man City... Um, Arsenal? Ah, right. Well, that might be why then, I suppose. Yeah, Cardiff have got the easier running, like for sure, because Palace are going to give them three points. I mean, yeah, well, that surprised me then, because, I mean, Cardiff, so there's only three points in it now between them. Three points in it. Yeah, Brighton Brighton have Newcastle at home, Arsenal away, and Man City at home on the final game of the season. Yeah, that is much worse. Fulham have, or Cardiff have Fulham away, Palace at home, and United away. Like, it could go to the last game of the season. It could. Yeah. It definitely could. Um, but the projections, something in the projections has Brighton significantly favoured to stay up. I mean, I guess three points in hand. It's it's three points and a goal difference. So, yeah. yeah. Fair point. That yeah. is a, for only three matches, that is a lot. These teams, it's not like Cardiff are getting points yeah. by the buckets. No, that's, you know? that's a fair point. Three points yeah. is a lot it's of points. It's not just one win, is it? They've got, to get, they've got to get a win over them and another point. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, which is why. So that's that's why that you know that one point against Wolves away is so vital. It's crazy the margins, especially at the tail end of the season, that you start to notice how crazy it is. Um, and you know, it just goes to show how how good the Premier League still is. Like it's you know, every, as much as we joke that like the middle of the table is shit and what have you, I just think it's because it's so competitive that the second any of those teams make a mistake. Another team they're playing on capitalizes on it. Yeah, like there's there's no league where a they have a bank of six teams at the top that are always in with a shot of of winning the title. You know, at most you could probably say four in any other league, and there's no that, league yeah. where it has such a competitive middle pack. And no, the mid table in the Premier League is outrageously good compared to every other league in Europe. Yeah. And it, it's crazy, especially when you look at Italy, where, yeah, you know, it's Juventus just win again and again. Even AC and Inter have dropped off so massively in the last few years. France is just always going to be PSG for the next five years or, or however long. Yeah, there's two teams in Germany, two, maybe three in Spain. Like, that's it. Yeah. And we still have so many fun combinations left in play for the end of the season. 
with everybody in Europe still in the top six. Like, there's all sorts of craziness that could go down. There's a pretty good chance. I would say it's probably, I haven't looked at the projections or the odds, but Chelsea Arsenal has to be the more likely Europa League final than anything else. I believe so now, yeah, because, you know, Arsenal dispatching Napoli was a, was a great result. Chelsea did what they needed to do to beat Prague. Yeah, Chelsea had a real fun match too. I think it was 4-3 in the Chelsea match too or something like that. Yeah, 4-3 and yeah. you won on aggregate 5-3, yeah. So there's a there's a lot. I mean, genuinely, in the stats community, on Twitter, on the blogs, all that stuff, like, the consensus has reached at this point that City and Liverpool are two of the three best teams in Europe. Full stop. And like, and you know, they're, they, that does make sense given that they're gonna have, we haven't even talked about the title race because we don't really know what's gonna happen. We, obviously we don't know at all what's gonna happen tomorrow, United and City. We're particularly bad at predictions on this podcast. <laughs> like, like we've said a few times now, like they're both projected for 96 points. And that's why it's 56% to City, 44% to Liverpool because it's like such fine margins that it's gonna be a decimal of a projected point that is the difference between them. 96 points is outrageous. Like, these are both all-time great Premier League teams, and one of them is not going to win the title. I do feel a little vindicated, because I did say on the before the season even started that I think Liverpool might be just as likely as City to win the league, and that even though City might be a better team slightly, that it's still just like, they're both going to be better than everyone else, and that's all it takes. And it has played out perfectly all season long and sure my predictor league is garbage and hi finley <laughs> you are beating me good job thank you for filling in last week but like <laughs> i feel pretty good about that take and you both of you and especially you chuck were like ah oh, no way liverpool aren't that blah, blah, blah. and like it's been right down to the wire all season long and it's fucking crazy like england across the board like our mid table to their mid table our top two to anyone's top two is just like just phenomenal time to be an English Premier League fan. It felt like it really wasn't, like, six or seven years ago. No, but ten years ago it was. Ten, exactly, yeah. Ten, twelve years ago, you have having three out of the four Champions League semi-finalists be from the Premier year. League. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, let, and let's not forget, there was a point, I think it was, it was the year Chelsea won Champions League. I can't remember um, which year, but if, basically, if an English team didn't win it, then we would have lost a Champions League place. Spots. That's that's how long it had been since we've yeah. done well because of the Europe quotients. And now you look at it that, you know, uh, we've said before, like it, there could be a Europa and Champions League final and both of them are all English teams. And that's outrageous. Absolutely, Absolutely. outrageous. It does remind me of when it was just the big, the top four, the big four before City and Tottenham kind of got in the conversation. Um, when it would be Liverpool, United, and Chelsea, and Arsenal were all in the semifinals for like four or five years in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like multiple of them. And and you're right. In between, there was like this sort of dark period where yeah. you're welcome to the rest of England. Chelsea were the only team making deep runs in Europe, and they kept the coefficient <laughs> alive. Like that was yeah, a weird definitely. pride, a weird like mark of pride <laughs> for us. Like, yeah, we're the only team that made semifinals like X number of years in a row. And if it wasn't for us, the coefficient would have dropped below italy or whoever i think it was italy yeah i believe so. but that's like now in retrospect like that's how bad things got for a little while there that like chelsea were the only team keeping the coefficient up and now it seems like we're poised to be back in that era again like it was when i first became a fan like that's the that's the premier league i came up loving was liverpool chelsea arsenal and united the big four huge in europe four of the best teams in the world genuinely 
which is why in my head, like, I still think of Chelsea as, like, they should be one of the best teams in the world. And when they're not, it's like a cognitive dissonance there that is hurtful. Yeah, that happens at the moment you come into being a football fan, doesn't it? Like, because for me, it's still mental that Leeds aren't in the Premier League. <laughs> right, so, it sets it in for you. Know, you. Like, that, that, the point you come into football is the point that everything's frozen in your mind of where big clubs are big clubs. And that. Exactly. So, yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, yeah it is so weird. And, and uh, you know, you say that there's a great chance now for Leeds to come back. Come on, I mean, Leeds. The dirty Leeds. Dirty Leeds. <laughs> the championship is still very much alive. I mean, you look at the, the playoff spots and, and the fact that there's two, game, the two games good. left. Two games left and, and the, the title winner still isn't decided. Like and that and and I can't remember that ever being ever being so late. I mean, there's still there's still one of three teams that can win it, albeit you know basically one game can can then decide who who has won it. Um, but you know, there's there's some Premier League old old guard in there. You know, Norwich look like they're coming back up. West Brom are in there. Villa, Middlesbrough aren't too far off. I mean, that that's impressive. They've come back, especially when you consider how you can fall through the trapdoor, like. Oh, I mean, Stoke are nowhere. Swansea are nowhere. Bolton have been relegated this week. Uh, Bolton, yeah, relegated this week. You know, for me, still feel like a biggish club, Bolton. You know, it's, yeah, yeah you Sunderland, really can just... Sunderland dropped twice, you know, season after season, back-to-back relegations. Uh, Drew one to... all to Peterborough this week. Yeah, yeah big, big stuff. <laughs> oh, God, poor Peterborough. Um Doncaster lost. We're still in with the playoff shout. Still in with we the playoff shout. We are still in with the playoff shout. They lost today to Accrington Stanley. There's your League One update, kids. Um, <laughs> that's the popular one. That'll get that one fan. Uh, Ian, do you want to know the projections for League One for Peterborough's chances of making the playoffs and or being promoted? Because 538 does run those for every league. We are. We are. Uh, we've got a game in hand on Doncaster, but we're four points behind, I think. So it won't be good, but yeah, go on. 19% to make the playoffs. So, oh, wow. That's actually more than I thought. Yeah, not terrible, but, you know, one in five chance, really. Yeah. yeah. Only 2% to get promoted, though. Sorry to say. Well, yeah, fair yeah. enough. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised it's 19% to get in the playoffs, to be honest. And then for the championship, uh, Norwich are 73% to win it. Sheffield, 27 So, solidly in their favor. Um, and then it, you go all the way down to Bristol, and there's still a 33% chance of making the playoffs. Like, it is very, very tight. It really is, For the three, the, like, Derby, Middlesbrough, and Bristol are both pretty dead even to make a playoff spot. And it's a shame that, you know, Dave Mateo's Sheffield Wednesday sit just outside of that. Oh, poor thing. Less than 1%, but still in with a shout. What's it like to to know you're going to support a team that's never going to (laughs) win? Call back. Oh, yeah. You can't get away with that, Dave. Come on. Poor Dave. Poor, (laughs) poor Dave. But, yeah. God, football. What a game, Bloody eh? football. Bloody <laughs> football. All right, well, if you gentlemen will excuse me, I have to go watch Game of Thrones over and over again before Avengers comes out and start preparing myself to weep myself to sleep quietly under a table somewhere on Thursday night. Could be an interesting week for you, Oscar. Oh, this weekend's going to be no good. There's going to be <laughs> lots of tears. Are you what, what time are you seeing Avengers tomorrow? The very, very, very first showing on Thursday. So, you know, it's technically a Friday midnight release, but they do the... Early show if you buy your tickets way in advance. Oh, that, so does that mean I'll see it before you? I'm seeing it 6 p.m. on Thursday. So 1 a.m. your time, Thursday. 1 a.m. So you probably will be like an hour before me if you're going to a midnight show. I'm going, yeah, one minute after midnight, but Thursday. So when it's, but when it's Wednesday, 7 o'clock for you. Oh, right. Oh, you're going midnight 
Yeah, I'm gonna see. It, oh, I'm gonna see it technically a day before you. So <gasps> Wednesday into Thursday, you're seeing it. Yeah. Are you sure it's not Thursday into Friday? No. Fuck, you guys get it a day before us. They always, though. To be fair, though, I think every single Marvel film basically is released in England before US. No way. Well, there yeah. are already spoilers. Like apparently, ten minutes got leaked, so I'm staying the fuck off social yeah. media. Oh yeah, fair, fair. And I will not. I promise you, I will not. I will not say anything. No, I know, I know you wouldn't, but I'm like, that's already out there. But yeah, I'm going Thursday night. I still haven't watched Infinity War yet. I'm literally watching that as soon as we're done recording. Like, <laughs> just to like... Get it? You've got you've got Sky, it's on Sky, watch that's it. That's the next one on my Marvel list. It's this on, weekend, on, Ian, yeah. is going to be a fucking train wreck for me. Because on Thursday night is Endgame. I've spent the last over 10 years obsessing over Marvel, investing into these characters. Half of them are going to die on Thursday night. And then on Sunday night, Thrones, uh, spoiler alert for those of you that I haven't caught up on Thrones, the first two episodes of the season. Everyone's going to die. It's the Battle of Winterfell and everybody's going to fucking die. From Thursday to Monday, like most of the characters in fiction that I care about are dying. Monday is going to be a horrible day. (laughs) (laughs) I have to go to work and pretend I'm okay. And I'm just going to go cry in the bathroom every 10 minutes. (laughs) Oh Oh, boy. Well, there we go, guys. That's that's one for you there. If you thought this week was too football heavy, <laughs> there's there's five minutes on how emo- Oscar's emotional state will be over the next week. Yeah. yeah. So Godspeed Avengers fans, Godspeed Thrones fans, <laughs> and Godspeed football fans. May the odds be ever in your favor. Nineteen percent. <laughs> <laughs> Mathematically safe. Oh, there Cash we go. Back. You got what you wanted, Chuck. <laughs> Successful season. Uh, the yes- Earliest ever. <laughs> Six seasons in the Premier League. Da, na, 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 na. Yeah. And goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.